Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today we've got a great nuclear revenge story against a boss that cheated on their own wife. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, how I got back at my twin sister for telling my fiancé that I was infertile. I believe that the best thing God did for me was make me look very different from my twin sister. My fraternal, thank God again, sister has all the attributes of a demon and has always been that way. She's been nothing short of a horrible sister to me, even though before I did what I did to her, I was a great sister to her. I was protective of her, I loved her, and I tried many times to establish a friendship with her, but all the while she saw me as some sort of competition for the love and affection of our parents. At first I blamed our parents for giving us so little attention that we struggled with the scraps available, for pitting us against each other, for making us compete for their affection and love. But when my sister and I became adults, I stopped blaming my parents. Granted, they were terrible in the love and affection department and contributed to the straining the relationship between my sister and me, but I believe that as adults, we at some point have to stop blaming others even if they are our parents, for our actions and inactions and start facing the fact that we're now adults fully and wholly responsible for the choices we make in life. My parents may have created an environment where my sister and I had to compete for even the most basic things. But even after we got outside that environment, my sister still competed with me for no reason at all. Whatever I had, she wanted, and she wanted fast too. Even as children, whenever I got something, she would want to get it too. Once, I wanted a very low haircut, and our parents permitted me to get one. My parents always had a lady come over to our house to cut her hair at the time. She came over and gave my sister her usual shoulder-length haircut. I asked for a short pixie cut, and she gave me that and left. That evening, our aunt visited and praised me for being daring enough to get something that boyish. My sister wore a pout all night, and the next day, she told our parents she wanted my haircut. She was also so manipulative that she convinced them that the reason she wanted my haircut was because people talked a lot about how we didn't look alike, and she felt like she would look like me if we were the same haircut. Even as a child, I knew that was BS, and now that I look back, It is clear that my sister has always been a terribly manipulative person. It cost a lot to have a hairdresser come and do our hair in the house, but my parents didn't mind doing that for her. They thought it was sweet that she was bothered that we weren't identical twins. Also, let's face it, they could afford it. My parents were comfortable. It was why they were able to afford to send us to a private Catholic boarding school. They preferred to have the hairstylist come over to our house to fix our hair because my parents were very keen on keeping us in the Catholic faith. They feared us straying and did all they could to keep us away from non-Catholics. Hence the reason we attended a Catholic high school instead of attending a public high school. The hairstylist came over and gave my sister a haircut just like mine. After she left, my sister cried her eyes out. 
My mom was mad at her because apparently the hairstylist had warned that the exact haircut I had on would not look good on her given the shape of her head, but she insisted on getting mine. Well, it looked hideous on her, and while I looked gorgeous in my cute pixie cut, my twin sister looked hideous. While I had a heart-shaped face and it went with the pixie cut, my sister's face was round just like my mom's. The haircut didn't look as good on her as it did on me. My sister and I did not just not look alike, we were also very dissimilar in character. We had nearly nothing in common. While my sister was given to people-pleasing and was very obsessed with people liking her, I didn't care about that. The only thing that worried me was getting into trouble with my parents. My parents were very strict, especially with making sure that we stayed in faith and not doing anything that our religion forbade. Our mom was especially strict. We were not allowed to date in high school. Premarital sex was an abomination. We hardly had any freedom both in school where the nuns watched us like hawks and at home where we had a Catholic nanny even as 14-year-olds. When we were just about 15, I met a boy in the area when I was at the store getting my favorite candy. I was instantly attracted to him. He was the first real guy I would ever like. The ones that I liked before him were movie characters and characters in the romance novels I'd read in the books that some of my classmates snuck into the dorm room. I think he was attracted to me too because he waved shyly at me and I waved at him too. I kept seeing him around. Sometimes when I was out with my parents and sister, some other times, I saw him when I was alone. On the times where I was by myself, he would walk up to me and say hello. Once, he asked me to go out on a date with him. I was too embarrassed to tell him that we weren't allowed to date, so I told him that we weren't allowed to date non-Catholics. He nodded and I quickly told him we could be friends. Whenever my parents were out, and they went out a lot, I would go over to his house and we would talk about different stuff. He was curious about how life was in an all-girls school and I told him about my school. One day we kissed. I wrote him a letter talking about it and telling him that I'd love to do it again. I planned to put it in an envelope and drop it in their mailbox later, but before I could do that, my sister found the letter on my bed. She took it to the kitchen, glued it to the fridge, and called my parents' attention to it. My parents were so mad at me that they made me write a letter breaking up with him. I did write it, and they drove me to his house and watched me put the letter in his mailbox. What they didn't know, however, was that I didn't drop the letter. I hid it in my coat and hurried back to the car. As we drove past his house, I threw the letter away. I never broke up with him, even though I knew he'd have wondered why I stopped sneaking into his home to see him. One day, I met him at the store and smiled at him, but he shot me a cold glance and looked away. I was very hurt. I went back home and cried into my pillow. I saw him another day when I was buying myself a smoothie in a shop he worked in. He saw me but looked away. That time, I wasn't sad anymore. I was mad at him. He had no right to treat me like that. I broke all of my parents' rules and snuck into his house many times. He was just being a jerk. I walked up to him and confronted him about his behavior. We went back and forth for a while and then I realized that my sister had put a letter in his mailbox, calling him names and warning him to stay away from me. She didn't just do that, she pretended to be me while at it. I was mad at her but I couldn't confront her because she would tell my parents and they would know I've been speaking to him. I apologized to him and he accepted my apology but we couldn't be together anymore. He said his mom read the letter and was horrified. Years later in college, my sister had ended a pregnancy and there were serious complications. 
she was too ashamed to go to a proper clinic and get a proper procedure because she was a big part of the anti-abortion group formed by the school's Catholic Fellowship. She took random drugs and it resulted in severe complications. She couldn't call her judgmental Catholic friends for help, so she called me. I took her to the hospital and stayed with her while she got treatment. The drugs were not appropriate for a pregnancy that was as advanced as hers, so they ruined her womb, and the doctor told her that her chances of having a child were slim. After the whole process, she recovered and went off with her friends. I didn't care because I knew she was like that. She only reached out when she needed me, and then she stopped speaking to me after. Of course, I kept her secret, even though I knew if I were in her shoes, she'd tell my parents and maybe even her friends. I understood how selfish and manipulative she was, but I did not realize the full extent of her wickedness until I got engaged two years after her pregnancy ending. I had met a fine young Catholic guy, he was a teaching assistant in school, and we loved each other. He was very devoted to church and the Catholic faith, and I admired that about him even though I wasn't very interested in church. He was the sort of guy that my parents would love so I kept going out with him. Since he was Catholic, he was very much against premarital sex and was determined to be celibate. I wanted to do that too, but since I'd already hooked up with my ex, it was hard being with someone I couldn't hook up with. One day, he came up with a solution to our no-sex problem, marriage. I was not sure that hooking up was enough reason to get married and we'd only been together for four months, but I agreed. It would make my parents happy after all. It had always been their dream to have us marry as virgins who would then marry Catholic men and have many Catholic babies. For once, I wanted to be the girl who obeyed her parents. I wanted my parents to be proud of me too. I took my new fiancé home to see my parents and they were very proud just as I'd expected. My mom hugged me and stared at my fiancé in admiration. I knew she was probably thinking about how I made a good choice since he was very handsome. My sister was smiling and all that, but I just felt she was secretly jealous of all the attention I was getting. Despite that, I didn't think that she could try in any way to sabotage what I had with him. A month later, while we were still preparing for our wedding that was to happen after I was done with my final exams, my fiancé suddenly stopped taking my calls. He stopped replying to my texts, too. He also resigned from his job as a teaching assistant and just ghosted me. I was beyond hurt, but I channeled all of my hurt into studying for my final exams. I did well and moved in with my best friend because I couldn't handle going home. I knew my mom would somehow blame me for being ghosted. I tried very hard to move on from him and I was just getting back on my feet when he reached out to me. I refused to speak to him, but my best friend was so mad she confronted him about what he had done. He then told her that my twin sister had told him that I was infertile. She told him that I'd had an abortion and the doctor had said that my chances of having a biological child were very slim. My sister basically told my fiancé what the doctor had told her. I was shocked. In her usual manner, she had pretended to be looking out for him. He told everyone and she wanted him to know that I may not be able to give that to him. While I was glad my ex came back to tell me what had happened, I wasn't interested in getting back together. Being away from him had shown me how it would have been a big mistake to marry him. The reason we wanted to get married in the first place was not exactly right. I decided that it wasn't worth it. 
Also, that he ghosted me over what my sister said and didn't bother to reach out showed that he was not the kind of man I'd want to spend the rest of my life with. My sister never found out that I knew about what she did. I had told my family that he ghosted me, but I never told them that he eventually told me why. Unsurprisingly, months later, my sister introduced the man she wanted to marry to our parents. I'm certain that she only started thinking of marriage when I brought my ex home for a proper introduction. I searched for her husband on Facebook and started a friendship with him. We soon got close and spoke nearly every day. He made it easy for me because he would subtly flirt with me and was also a great person to talk to. I told him all about my sister's complicated abortion. I didn't tell him like I was revealing anything to him. I told him as if he knew already. He was shocked. He couldn't believe that my super religious sister could have done that. He confronted her about it and broke up with her. She tried to contact me and convince me to tell him I was kidding. I laughed at her silliness, hung up and blocked her. That year, I cut her and my parents off. Even after my parents and I reconciled years later, I never reconciled with her. I don't think I ever will. I guess she's just a naturally evil person and can never change. Even though I can look back now and thank heavens I didn't marry my ex when I wanted to, it still doesn't change the fact that she tried to sabotage something she knew meant a lot to me at the time. There's really multiple layers to this situation because OP can be both thankful and also incredibly furious. Because I think almost anybody can agree, agreeing to get married just because you can now hook up is going to be almost always a terrible, terrible outcome and it definitely was just not the right situation, but it's devastating what her sister did. Our next story is, douche Bosch cheated on his wife, so I blew the whistle. I'm gonna cut people some slack and say that there are some times in life when people are so stressed and burdened by the hardships of life that their relation to people might suffer. What am I talking about? I'm saying even good people tend to be jerks once or twice in their lifetimes. This doesn't mean that they aren't good people, but the problems they were facing at that particular point in time did not allow for niceties. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So, it would be fair if we don't use one or two weak days to judge their entire character. There are some people, on the other hand, who go every day of their life being jerks. 
Whether they're in a good or bad mood, they live by making every other person around them feel like crap. Personally, I don't care if you're a jerk or not, as long as we don't have to meet or talk. The only time I do care is when we have to work together every day. And because of that, you focus all of your jerkiness on me. That was the case with my former boss, Mr. J. He was the worst boss anyone could ask for. Condescending, arrogant, narcissistic, the list can go on and on, but the summary of the whole thing was that it was heck working for him. Every day I wake up, I remember that I have to go to work, it literally ruins my mood for the whole day. And even on the few days when I manage to leave home in a good or neutral mood, I still end up in a bad mood whenever I get back. For a while this was okay because I really needed the money, but eventually it stopped being okay. Mr. J decided to humiliate me in front of his staff and everybody and I just couldn't take it anymore. I had to quit, but before I did that, I decided to get my revenge for all the months of frustration and pain. You see, my advice for people in general is that if you want to be a jerk, fine. But don't leave loose ends that people can use to get back at you. My boss didn't know this. He was cheating on his wife without even trying to hide it from me. I didn't know what he expected. Maybe he thought I would be sworn to secrecy or something, but I wasn't. I told his wife, and well, crap hit the fan. But before I go into detail about how that happened, let's start at the top. I didn't go to college after high school. My parents didn't have enough money to pay the tuition. I wasn't among the top tier students either, so I couldn't get an academic scholarship. I was supposed to get a sports scholarship, but I had a major accident one day that made me unable to play football anymore. So after high school, I stayed at home for two years, helping my dad run his hardware store. It was kind of tough for me because most of my friends and colleagues went to college. And even if they didn't, at least they left our sleepy suburban town. Eventually, my dad saved enough money and he hired an assistant to help him with the day-to-day running of the hardware store. My mom had an aunt in the city and I talked to her to help me get out of town. I had the impression that I would fare better in the city and since I was just starting my life, it seemed like the best decision for me. A few days after my dad hired an assistant in his store, I left home and went to stay with my aunt. My aunt Cheryl had a tiny apartment upstate, and she had a family of four, her husband and two children. They only had two bedrooms, so it was actually quite inconvenient to stay there. I spent the first three months working as a bartender in a nightclub. The hours were crazy, and most times because they were short-staffed, I had to work double shifts. I get to work as early as 10 p.m. and get off by 2 a.m. After three months, I'd saved up enough money to get myself a tiny apartment in the city. I moved out of my aunt's place and then moved to my place. I continued working as a bartender in a nightclub a few blocks away from my house. Three months into working as a bartender for the new club, I was sick of it. The hours, the noise, having to listen to stories from drunk college boys yapping on and on about their girlfriends leaving them. I wanted to quit but not before I got something less stressful than that. A few weeks later, a couple moved into the apartment next to mine. They were slightly older than I was, and they looked like post-college kids. One day, I met them in the hallway. I was coming back from a morning shift, and they were probably leaving for work or something. They said hi, and even though I was really tired, we ended up spending the next few minutes talking. They couldn't spare more to continue the discussion because they had to get to work. So they proposed that we all hung out that evening. I had an off day the next day, so it was fine. 
I said okay, and that evening I went to their place. We chatted about everything, school, work, family. Somehow the conversation shifted to my search for another job, and the girl, Tegan, told me that there was an opening where she worked. The head of the sales department needed a driver, and she told me to apply if I was interested. It sounded like a good idea. The hours were fine, the pay was even better, and I would have the weekend off. The next day, I went with Tegan to her firm, and she took me to the head of the sales department's office. After a brief introduction, she left. She was working in the research and developmental department, so she didn't have any business in sales. I had expected that I'd just drop my resume and wait for a call, but all he asked for was my driver's license. When he confirmed that it was authentic, he rose from his seat and threw me his car keys. I caught the car keys with surprise on my face, and he told me that he needed to get somewhere fast, and that was how I got the driving gig. My first impression of my new boss, Mr. J, was that he was a strict man. I thought he ran a tight ship, which would have been good for the productivity of the company, if it were true. But over the weeks, I found out that that wasn't the case. Mr. J was a bully who liked to verbally abuse the workers under him. He liked to fixate on one worker at a time, and when he'd properly broken his spirit, he moves on to the next worker. Notice that I said, broken his spirit? Mr. J likes to bully only the male workers. He cuts the girls some slack and even treats them specially. At first, I thought this was just him being chauvinistic, but as the weeks rolled into months, I saw that it wasn't true. One evening, an hour before the official close of the day, Mr. J briskly walked out of his office, then ordered me to start the car. We weren't scheduled to go out that evening and that made me kind of confused. I started the car anyways, and a few minutes later, he came down from the office floor and entered the back seat of the car. He gave me directions and we started the journey. A few minutes into the drive, my curiosity took over. I asked him where we were going because it wasn't in our prearranged schedule. Mr. J went quiet for a few minutes, and when I thought he wasn't going to reply, what he said next shocked me. He warned me in a menacing tone not to ever question him in my life ever again. He didn't stop there. He went on to call me stupid and silly for not knowing my place. I tried to apologize, but that only seemed to rile him up more. He yelled at me to never speak back at him ever again, and to never open my mouth when driving. I didn't know how to react to that. I had the urge to apologize again, but he had just told me not to talk to him. I ran the scenario in my head over a million times, but I still couldn't figure out what I did wrong. It was an honest question I asked. Why did he make such a fuss about it? A couple of minutes later, he told me to take another right, and we stopped at a motel. Wait, what? What are we doing in a motel? At first, I thought he had the wrong direction, but after a few minutes, he received a text on his phone. He returned the phone to his suit pocket and then stepped out of the car. After telling me to wait in the car, he stepped in the motel. I waited a few minutes in the car, then a cab pulled up into the parking lot. The passenger stepped out of the taxi, and when I saw her face, I almost choked on the water I was drinking. It was none other than Cindy, one of the ladies in the sales department. I'd only seen her in passing at the time, so I didn't really know much about her. I didn't need to. I'd heard amongst the workers that Mr. J had a wife, so what was he doing at the motel with a subordinate? For a few moments there, I was in denial. Maybe it was a coincidence, I thought. Maybe they were going to different motel rooms and they just happened to be at the same place at the same time. 
as absurd as that sounded, I stuck to it. But my denial didn't last long. Less than an hour later, Mr. J came out of the motel with Cindy. They were holding hands and being all lovey-dovey with themselves. I didn't know what to make of this new development. Mr. J hailed a cab for Cindy, and she left. He got in the car, and I drove him home. When I got to my apartment, I settled down to watch a movie, but I couldn't concentrate on the movie. All I could think about was the fact that Mr. J was cheating on his wife. Now, it wasn't really any of my business, but I just couldn't help but feel for the poor woman. She was probably in her home, oblivious of everything that was happening. Then it dawned on me that since the day I'd been driving Mr. J home, I haven't seen his wife. Not even once. Maybe they're separated, I thought. That would have made more sense, but once again, I was wrong. One Saturday morning, Mr. J called me to drive him to the airport. I wasn't supposed to be working on a Saturday, but things had been quite frosty between us lately and I didn't want to annoy him further. So I went to his place to get the car. We got to the airport and for the first time ever, I met Mrs. J and his little daughter. Mrs. J was the complete contrast to Mr. J. She was bright, chatty and really nice. She was actually interested in talking to me throughout the ride, and even though I couldn't reply well because Mr. J was sitting right there, I still enjoyed her company. Over the next few days, Mrs. J started to require my services more often. She liked the way I drove, and anytime I was free at work, Mr. J would order me to drive her to one place or the other. We started to get pretty close, because unlike Mr. J, she wanted to hear me talk, and as the weeks went by, we became friends. I was kind of torn between telling her about her cheating husband and shutting my mouth. Eventually, I settled on shutting my mouth, but this decision wouldn't last. Just two days later, I got to work a bit late because I was ill. I had called ahead to tell his assistant that I wouldn't be available, but she, being ridiculously negligent, forgot to tell him. And because of that, he almost missed an important meeting. When I got to work later that day, I received the insult of my life. He called me slow, stupid, silly, and even smelly. Smelly! What hurts the most wasn't the fact that he insulted me, it was the fact that he said all of this in front of everybody in the firm. Even Tegan, my neighbor, heard the commotion, and she came to the sales department to see what happened. I had never felt so humiliated in my entire life. Maybe I wouldn't have felt that way if I was actually at fault, but I can never know. He wouldn't let me explain myself. He almost got physical with me when I tried to tell him what happened. That day, I decided that I was going to quit. The bartending job was so much stressful and it paid less, but at least I didn't have to feel like I was walking on eggshells there, and my work and effort were respected. I'd already started to draft my resignation letter when I got a text from Mrs. J. She wanted me to pick her up from somewhere. I was about to tell her why I wasn't working with Mr. J anymore when I got an idea. Mrs. J didn't know about Mr. J's secret relationship, and while I wanted to keep quiet about it, I was going to be quitting soon, so why not cause a little chaos before I do? I returned her texts and told her that Mr. J is cheating on her, and I told her I had proof. I had to wait a few days until I could get proof, and because of that I couldn't quit that day, but on the Friday of that week, Mr. J ordered me to drive him to the same motel. He'd been going there frequently, even though his wife was back home from her vacation when he got there. He met up with another girl from the sales department, Alice. 
they hugged each other just outside the motel and I quickly took the picture. I sent it to Mrs. J along with the address. Less than 20 minutes later, she got to the motel and without sparing a second to look or talk to me, she marched into the motel. Minutes later, I heard the commotion inside the motel. The girl Alice ran out half-dressed without shoes. She quickly hailed a cab and got away before Mrs. J ran out with a vase in hand. Mr. J ran out after her, trying to calm her down, but she just turned to him, hitting and scratching as hard as she could. I ran out of the car, feigning innocence and confusion, as I tried to pull them apart from each other. When she calmed down, she said a few simple words. I'm getting a divorce, and I'm taking you for all you've got. I quit my driving job that same day and went back to bartending, satisfied with the fact that I'd finally gotten my revenge. When you're in a situation like this with a moral dilemma where you know your boss is cheating on their wife, they even have a small kid together, should you speak up or is it not shameful to just kind of swallow that knowledge and keep to yourself? I'd like to know what you guys think. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.